is the quantum realm right behind where I am astrally? Is the quantum realm part of the astral world or is it behind that? I think it's a little bit further behind that because I did some work that Joe Dispenza says, like going into the quantum, like going into the quantum realm and forming things there. And when I do that, I just wind up at my astral temple. Welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Danny Kola, and I'm excited to bring you this next episode because my guest on the podcast today is John the Manimal Beneducci. He is the host of MMA and Beyond. He is the oldest winning Bellator fighter to win at 39 years young. He just had his last fight this last June at Madison Square Garden. This guy's an animal. That's why they call him the Manimal. His story is amazing. He's an extremely resilient guy with tons of character. And it's, it was just amazing connecting with him and kind of diving deep in his head a little bit and understanding where he goes. <laughs> the son of Odin, whatever that means. We go deep in this podcast, and uh, I'm really excited to bring this to you. So enjoy this podcast. Check out John on Instagram at John the Manimal Beneducci. Check out his uh, his podcast on iTunes and Spotify and all the places where you listen to podcasts at MMA and beyond. Make sure to subscribe to it. He's a character. He's amazing. And uh, just I hope that you enjoy this podcast because it was great to podcast with him and connect with him and pick the brain of such a such an athlete like like John is. So enjoy the podcast, everybody. And that's it. Softness. Right? You say devicism, you piss off the wrong people, the right people, you make, you make a little bit of a, you're shaking it up a little bit. Hey, listen, this is bullshit. You get your way in, the, you get your way in today's culture. Hey, listen, yeah. you don't get noticed if you don't make a little noise. Totally. And then, you know what, dude? I'm telling you, that's what creates the softness. Like, I, I've been a high school teacher for the last five years. And, oh, my uh, wife is too, actually. Your wife's a high school teacher? Yes, she teaches high school English. Oh, awesome. So, like... You, you could relate to a lot of the shit that I'm about to say here. But uh, I don't know how it is in New York public schools, but in Chicago, I mean, nobody fails unless they don't show up, right? And Every even if they don't show up, they give them endless opportunities to make that up in summer school, Saturday school, yeah. Exactly, so they, exactly. So like, what's the point of having the homework and having tests if you can just keep making it up? I don't remember, I don't remember doing that type of like uh, style of education. Like when there was a test, I took the test. If I got like a 69 on it, then that was that. Fucking- That, that was it. <laughs> that was it, you took the L. Yeah, you and that's it. Like, oh shit, this fucking sucks. Now I gotta work a little bit harder to get my shit back up. I mean, you know, that's that was my mindset. But now it's like, ah, I guess I can just retake it tomorrow. Oh, I'll just do it in Saturday school. And they only they tell her they only have to show up like five times. Do it. Let me ask you this now. What would that tell me what the fuck happens next when they're out of high school, they're in college are out of college, they get their first job, shit starts to really hit the fan. Now what? How do you retake that shit? And that, yeah, then they're having all kinds of problems. I mean, I wonder, you know, if that's part of like the young mental health illness epidemic. Totally. It, it you know, are, they, are people ill-equipped to handle uh, reality and they just have to show up? Even like, so my nephew this morning, I was like, we're going to go to the beach. He's like, great. I was like, listen, but 
I want to walk on the beach. And there's this new park that opened by me. Mm-hmm. They just spent like a hundred million dollars fixing this piece of land that I liked when it was rugged. I used to like it rugged, but all right. I was like, okay, they did it nice. They put a pier there, but it's five miles from my house there and back. And we get halfway and he's trying to ask the parks department guys to drive us home. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you little bastard. I was like, no way. No one's driving you home. He was like, let me ask. Let's ask someone. So I left. I was like, fine, ask him. They're like, can you drive us back to, to the entrance? The girl's like, no. We got to right work. There. We got to fucking work. What are, you, what are you talking about? You think life's I was like, that's what you think. And you know what's funny? It gives them an attitude that they can do like anything. But they can't actually. You, no, so it's like, oh, yeah. You ready? I can do it. Yeah. And then they fail. And then they're like, all right. No, I don't want to do anything. So it does breed, uh, you know, a mentality that I told them. I was like, you're so freaking soft. You know, I like walk barefoot everywhere, and my nephews like. I heard I about you know, your Red ne- Rock, your Red Rock run, at, with barefoot, fucking five miles at 112 degrees. Yeah, 112. That was rough. So the going there, it was like 10 a.m. So it wasn't bad. It was like 100 degrees, and the rocks hadn't heated up yet. Ah, uh, wasn't bad. Get, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Because it gets cold in the desert at night. Ah, right, right, right. So to be fair, it actually was good, and I got, got to the end quick. Right, so it's Icebox Canyon is like two and a, two and a quarter miles to the waterfall, which was dry, but whatever. We smoked a blunt under there. Actually, nice. no. So we went to the dispensary, Planet 13. And he was like, when you get to the end of the waterfall, he's like, when you get to the waterfall, you smoke this joint dipped in resin. Aye. That was really good. So we do that. And you then said you the had that blood tender. Up. Yeah, that's right. I heard yeah. that. Yeah, that was really good. When you go to Vegas, it's legal, and they really do it up. So it was like the Apple store for weed. They give you totally. a bud tender. Yeah. And, and the experience is really good. So we get there, we get to the end, we smoke. And I'm like, all right, let's make it back. But by this time, it's like 12 o'clock. And now the sun's blazing hot. And making it back was a little rough. But, uh, you know, I start what I, I finish what I start. Totally. So, totally. So I was I mean, like, that's all right, why... well, I started it this way. So I got to finish it this way. Do it for sure. And that's why you're the man. And, of- and it was, very, yeah, it was very fulfilling, actually. I bet. You know, it was, it was really fulfilling. I thought my feet were going to be messed up the next day. But my feet are strong, Joe Rogan. My feet are strong! I was, <laughs> I, yeah, I was good. I was, I was solid. You know, so my nephew is, like, trying to get, get a ride back. Then he's like, can you carry me? And he's like, I'm like, oh, God, this kid's not going to move. I throw him over my shoulder for, like, a half mile. I was like, whatever, I'll get a little extra work. And, uh, yeah, it's just soft. And it's funny because I came home. And um, my mom came over and she and she's like, oh, you know, what'd you guys do? So I was like, we walked it up. I was like, you know, you couldn't even make it back. And uh, I told my mom, I was like, my mom used to take me shop. She would go, we would go shopping with her, right? When you're a little kid. And she would take us like five to six miles every day. I was like, we did that one day. We used to do that every day. And my mom was like, yeah, we did it every day. Yeah. She's like, this yeah. kid, she was like, this kid's not used to walking because he's complaining. She's like, he's not used to walking. He lives in Staten Island. Everywhere they go, they have a car. You know, he's not used to, to walking around. You know, people now, aren't used to any hardship. Totally, dude. I mean, okay, now, now what about this? Because this is where my mind goes automatically. Now, there are a handful of, like, really intelligent, youthful individuals out there that are doing some really interesting things as far as, like, you know, innovations online and in school. Like, there's a lot of smart kids, basically, what oh, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to say. 
tons of smart kids, but like the anxiety depression thing is on the rise. And, and that could be because of a lot of, a lot of different factors, you know, a lot of different factors. So if, if these types of things aren't seriously dealt with and we don't really have a grasp on this and, you know, we, you know, straying away from the route of like pharmaceutical drugs, what happens when these kids grow up under this stressful environment 99% of the time and they're running shit? Like how, how do, how do we keep it together if nothing changes? You know what I'm saying? I wonder that too. And then uh, I wonder, well, it's, it's just going to be a whole society run by that generation. Um, uh, it might look a little different, but it might look a lot different, mother. I also have to always remember this. I have a master's in history. So I have to remember this, that whenever you study history, every generation says this or something to that effect about the previous generation. Totally. So I, so I have to also understand that my perspective on this is just that my limited perspective. Yes. I love that. So big picture. What does it mean? I don't know. It might not mean a whole lot. I mean, listen, a meteor could hit the earth. There could be a solar flare and there could be very few survivors. Totally. Or things could continue the way they are and we'll have, I mean, it looks like we're going towards a very big brotherish type society where things are very controlled and, uh, and everyone's supposed to be the same. Vanilla. I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever read the book, Harrison Bergeron. No, but Okay, so Harris, you're an English teacher. Come on, what the I'm hell? A, I mean, my, I'm a, so I'm a high school teacher, but I'm a, I'm a PE health and driver's oh, ed Oh, you PE? My bad. You teach PE. Because <laughs> my, my wife teaches uh, a dystopia unit. And when she teaches her high school kids about dystopias, it doesn't even look like a dystopia to them. They're like, so what? The TV watches you. They're like, so what? They watch you. They don't get shit. it. They were, they were, they were so born with the iPad. So that might not, so that might be, you know, that's like the dark way that it could be going that way. Like a very big brotherish thing. And think about it. I don't know. Sometimes I'll talk to my friend about something and a Google ad will pop up on my phone. I didn't Google it. You know, so I'm like, okay, am I always being listened to? Am I always totally. being watched? Totally. So prob- probably, probably. I mean, listen, you have an Alexa in your house. She picks up everything you say. No, totally. So is it going to go that way? Possibly. Oh, so Harrison Bergeron. Harrison Bergeron. Go to that. So in the future in this dystopic future, everyone is equal. So if you're born, let's say super strong, they put like heavy weights on you so that you- Way down. Can't, yeah, if, you're, if you have like really good hearing, right? They, they put a buzzer in your ear. You're really smart. They, they like put a thing in your brain to like distract you. So Harrison Bergeron is like superhuman, right? Almost, he's like super strong, super gifted. And they try to weigh him down with all this stuff. And he's like, no, I'm so powerful, right? He breaks the chains, takes off the headgear, and then they shoot him in the head. You know, and it's like, no. It's like, it's like in this dystopic future, everyone's equal. You can't be exceptional. So, so it's interesting, right? Like participation rewards. Yeah. It's like, do you want everyone to just be kind of like bored from Star Trek? Like everyone's about the same. It seems like that's the way you're going. The only thing is that then it's tough to make progress. Totally. Well, you don't, you don't make progress, dude. You know why? And maybe your wife could kind of like attest to this, but like the corporate acad- you know, academia, basically it's, you know, the, the corporate business world of education. It's uh, it's that way. It's very much that way. Uh, I feel like, you know, the teachers at the end of the day, I mean, they want to make a difference and that's the underlying goal, but they get sucked down this fucking vanilla path 
that they're afraid to say things because they might get in trouble or get fired and they have to watch every step that they take because yeah. parents and administrators and then the way they handle shit is very vanilla and communication is off and everyone's so negative. It makes for this environment that teachers don't want to be in. And then the kids see that and they don't necessarily want to be there. And they have this like monotone and not all of them because there's some great kids that have great ideas. And, and it's a, it's the majority. Oh, no, my wife has some great students. So don't get me yeah. wrong, but the majority is that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, how, and also, where, where I do wonder this too. I, I also wonder a lot of things about the educational system. Why is our educational system not diverse enough? Like think of, like I think about even for myself, I don't have a traditional job path and while i am scholarly i understand that a lot of kids aren't sure. why make that kid waste four years in high school totally. where he sucks when maybe that kid's a great musician and he could be contributing something to the world right i think high school almost is there to elicit that response of duddening your creativity right droning yeah. out right you want to i mean i feel like we try to create a society of drones so school right you put yourself on a buzzer system now you're like, you punch the clock, you follow yep. along. Yep. Or it's, you know, here, you eat the food like this, you get in line. Dude, it's, it's weird. It's weird now that you're talking about it that way, man. Because like, and, and, and it's interesting. And I'll tell you this dynamic too. I haven't been able to stay in one teaching job for more than a year. Are you like my wife? It's been five years. not like to stay somewhere for a long time. Yeah. I'm just saying it's been five years. And like, I've noticed these, these patterns, these trends of this this the, you know the, the way of going about education the way you're talking about it to make a society of like fucking clones and and people that are yes men so like or even you don't know what i i don't understand they want you to just start your day sitting down and my yeah. wife is like yo my kids are hype they're like you know throwing shit and every kid's add <laughs> i'm like i i would start the day with an hour and a half of training totally. every morning we we train for an hour and a half and then we start to die. And I bet yeah. you the kids would be a lot more responsive yeah. to learning when they're tired. Sure. My nephew, now that we went for the five-mile run, he's listening. He's not running around. He's like, okay. Totally. He's like, he's like can, we, can we sit down? Can we rest? All right, now you're receptive. <laughs> so you want to try to, to battle this kid's hyper energy. He's a teenager. They're hype. They're totally. supposed to be hype. That's the purpose of being young is to have all that energy to experiment and to learn. Now you put them in an environment that's actually not that conducive to learning. You know what I would love to do? I tell you what, so I think about education a lot. I tell you what I want to do. I talk to my wife about this all the time if she ever wanted to. Tell me, I want to hear this, this is good. So I would have a school, right? I don't know if I would call it a school for the gifted. For me, the <laughs> Beneducci method is the opposite of gifted. We make the most of the least and the best out of the worst. Okay, it. so it would be like almost a school for the fucked up and unappreciated. And yeah. uh, I would start the day with uh, an hour to an hour and a half of training. And it could be a variety of training. Sure. I'm open. Then I would do, as far as learning, we would do like class time and out of class time. So maybe you'd have a week in the classroom learning about something. And then you would do field work. Like, let's say we learned about ancient Rome. Well, guess what? We're going to do three weeks in Rome. Yes. You know, maybe you couldn't do it that height, but in New York City, you could do it kind of like that. All right, we learned about ancient Greece for a week. We're going to go to the Met and look at the sculptures at the Met. Yes. New York would be the best place to do it because I can have access. Oh, we learn about, uh, you know, you learn about a culture. You could go to that culture's town. 
Fucking right? love you it. learn about the Middle Ages. We go to the cloisters on a, you know uptown Manhattan. You learn about, and then you do classroom time outside classroom time. You start it with training, and then you get our specialty teachers, and then you could try to take a path with the kids too. Maybe give them, you know, is this kid more of an artist? Well, let him explore that. Should you ever, you know, this kid likes to, to to rap. All right, we should have a recording studio. You know, maybe there's a lot of musicians that you might want to build. Actually, how about actually build the studio, learn to network and get the right people in place. Like do it from the ground up and really hone those skills. Yo, can I have a class where you teach a kid how to, can I do a class where you learn how to do your taxes, form an LLC? You're a trainer, right? Yeah. Who taught you? It took you probably, you had to learn how to form an LLC, how to open a business account, right? How to be able to take people's payments, how to make, uh, what you call it um waivers all of that okay who taught you that? you gotta just learn it you just figure it out yeah. is, what the fuck is the point of going to an education system that doesn't teach you to do anything that you need for your work totally right so i mean amen I, <laughs> dude this is why really this silly. is see like i i can't this is why i have a podcast this is why i'm outspoken because i try to make my life's work how you know my passion right and i'm passionate about what i do and and that's that's in the field of fitness. And now it's starting to evolve into a greater, uh, I don't know, a greater dimension of wellness, you know? Hold on, and, Danny, can we stop a second? Yes. Can we tell your listeners who the fuck I am first? Yes. Fuck it. I, you know, I, I'll, do, <laughs> I'll do an introduction when... Uh, in the beginning, yeah. But. Yeah, when I do it all, you know? But fucking <laughs> John Beneducci, Manimal, fucking Bellator fighter. Yeah. You know, I did. I am the oldest winning fighter in Bellator, featherweight. You know, so. Dude, how old are you, by the way? Uh, thirty-nine. Thirty-nine, and you're fucking, so, dude. You're still getting after with it. These kids, let me tell you, uh, it's not easy because the kids do recover faster. But I don't shortcut any of the work. I mean, you I train. Listen, if you look at my post, look at the kids that comment that I train with: Ali Aquinto, Funkmaster. I mean, I'm a Matt Sarah Black Belt. You know, I don't short the work, but it is a little different at my age. I do have to be a lot more patient. Totally. And, uh, you know, I have to work on my recovery more, but it made me, I mean, training for a fight at 39, what a learning experience. I mean, it gave me so much knowledge to, to go through. And really I was in camp for almost 10 months, which is crazy. But like, I was supposed to fight last October. Then they wind up not being able to find me an opponent. I don't go through a full camp, but I did, you know, maybe mm-hmm. six weeks of an eight-week camp, just trying to stay ready. Okay. Then I was supposed to fight February. I finished the whole camp, cut the weight. My opponent pulls out like two days before. Ah, fuck. I think he got like a staph infection or something. Uh, so now there's no fight. You don't dude, those paid, staph no infections fight. are real, by the way. No, well, listen, I don't want to fight a guy with anything yeah. going on. Yeah, I mean, that will. Yeah, you don't want that shit. So, yeah, you can't, right? We have an athletic commission with professional athletes, but you don't get paid unless you fight. Now, that was February. Then I fought at the Garden June 14th. I went to, and I was supposed to fight before that at a smaller show. So I've been in camp for like 10 months. So it was really tough, actually. Now, and, like, and what when, I learned in that 10 months, I mean, you couldn't match it. I couldn't spend a million dollars to learn what I learned. Totally. About oh, training sure. and recovery and nutrition and mindset. I mean, mindset. We want to talk about mindset. What do you think it's like fighting in front of twenty one thousand people in Madison Square Garden? You know, well, that was that was going to be one of my questions I wanted to go to. Like, you want to talk about like facing 
ed, like the biggest, like the, like the purest form of adversity to humankind, you know, an actual fight, right? And yeah, we, we use it as a metaphor all the time. Totally. Oh man, I felt like I was in a fight today. Totally. Man, I felt like I got beat up. Well, right. So when you're in the fucking purest form, how, yeah. how, how about in the, when you're in the back, when you're, when, the, when your music's about to come on, like at 39, what, what's it, what's going on in your head, dude? What's going well, on? First how- of all, I'm the only fighter you know that gets his balls busted in the dressing room before his own fight. Oh, shit. I'm in the freaking dressing room and guys are busting my balls. Oh, wait, <laughs> hold on. I don't know. So, so we go to go to the garden, right? And you got to check in in the, in the employee entrance. Uh-huh. So there's a guy checking the fighters in. The fighter before me goes, he's like, I'm, he's like, oh, who are you? What, you know, what fighter are you? The kid's like, I'm whatever. All right, boom. Now it comes up to me. He's like, who's your fighter? I was like, what do you mean, who's my fighter? I'm the fighter. And he's like, no, who's your fighter, Pops? I was like, motherfucker, the guy thinks I'm not the fighter. Wow. He thought, he thought I was the coach because I'm older. Yeah. Right? And my coach is behind me. And then behind my coach is my opponent. Right? We're all checking him. Yeah, yeah. So my coach turns around to my opponent, and he's like, you hear that? He's like, if that doesn't give you confidence... To fight, nothing will. He doesn't even think this guy's a fighter. Dude, so, dude you, so fucking, you fucked that guy up. I watched that fight. That was the one you're talking about. I mean, it was, oh, yeah, that was the last fight. Yeah, I watched yeah, it. I watched fight. it on YouTube, and you I fucking mean, manhandled that came kid. out good. Yeah, yeah, my jiu-jitsu was, was gold. I played my strategy well. I learned a lot from my fight before that I had lost. And so I watched the fight I lost about 897 times. Not that I'm counting, but... <laughs> But I learned a lot and mostly about my composure. Is so that really how with, many times you watched it? Yeah. So what I took away from it was, was it had to be composed. You know, uh, there was a lot I saw there that I was like, okay, I can improve on it. And then there was, wow, 18 months from my first fight back after a decade to this fight. And in that time, I did nothing but grow. And I made I all bet. the adjustments I needed to make it look like. So I'm pretty happy about it. I'm really grateful. You know, I called out to Odin beforehand and after. Now the you know, Odin. I'm a, I'm a, now the Odin. Explain that a little bit. I'm a bit. follower of the old ways. So uh, I love the Viking ways. You know, and Odin is the Viking god of... To say he's the god of war is not giving him enough credit. Odin is really the god of transformational yeah. experiences. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, so, so Odin is the god of transformational experiences. And I've been a follower of the old ways for a long time. So I venerate uh, those deities and I try to emulate the Odinic path. So Odin is like probably the greatest shaman. He has shamanistic journeys involving all different types of sacrifices and rituals to acquire knowledge and gain power. So Odin is really, to me, the god of transformational experiences. The reason he becomes a god of war is because there are a few very transformational experiences in life. Birth, death, mm-hmm. battle, mm-hmm. right? Anytime you fight, you're not the same afterwards. I'm not the same as I was before the fight. I'm, I'm a slightly changed human. I exchanged a lot of energies totally. with the crowd, with the audience, with my opponent. You don't come out the same. It's like when two galaxies hit each other, they, they form a new galaxy. It's not the same, even though they might look a little like the other one mm-hmm. that they previously were. So that's a transformational experience. Love is a transformational experience. Totally. So Odin proceeds over. Uh, he's also the god of like magic, sacrifice, the god of the runes. So transformational experiences are very powerful 
and I'm always looking for them. You know, I, I so fighting, very transformational, getting into the cage, having your mindset right. You know, when I walked out on the ramp and I held my hammer high and I called out to Odin and I, you know, asked him to throw Gunier over my opponent so I could claim the battle and I casted the runes in the ring. I mean, I've been doing rune work a long time. Maybe for some people that aren't into it, really it's just a way to access energy. So I venerate the Odinic path. But that's an energy force, right? Dude, you I might, fucking love this. So I, this is like... You I mean, might going, venerate, like, let's say, I don't know, I'll use a Greek god, Zeus, right? Uh-huh. Uh, for a certain thing. Well, you might believe in Jesus as the as an energy force of mercy, healing, light. It depends. Energy comes in all different forms. The way you access that energy depends, I think, a lot on your personality. So my personality, right? I'm congruent with that. Totally. Listen, I love to fight and I love to go deep inside. Odin makes the perfect God for me to, to follow. I try to follow that energy, then vibrate my energy with that energy. And that's what I'm trying to cultivate. You know, I vibrate my energy with it, with that energy. I see the path. You see what you're supposed to do. Everyone's way overthinking. It's like, okay, listen, there's so many figures that you could, you see what you're supposed to do. Try to vibrate that way. Your path is going to look different. Odin wasn't fighting in Madison Square Garden. I am, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mine right. looks different, but in the energy force, it's the same. I lost my gym in Bayside, right? When I had at one point, became destroyed. All the energy from that got spread out into the universe like a dying star. Now, say that and again. What did what, you say got destroyed? Oh, I used to have a really successful gym in Bayside, Queens. I used to own a CrossFit gym. Okay. So I had like th- three years ago, three years ago, I had the busiest gym in Queens. In Bayside, Queens, anyway, but probably in Queens. Had like 250 members. You know, I looked like I was making good money. I was mad busy. I mean, I was packed. I had guys, CrossFit athletes going to regionals, winning local competitions. Local competitions. Everything looked banging, right? Yeah. I had, I had a busy location right on Northern Boulevard, which is, you know, like a, it's a super busy spot. Uh, and, and I wound up running into some issues. I'm not really the kind of guy to be tied down to a place. I realize now. And, uh, and I wound up going bankrupt. And I was, well, first, before I went bankrupt, I ran into a few problems. Uh, in New York, a couple issues can put you out of business very quick. Because my rent was 12 grand a month. Damn. So you're talking about 12 grand a month just to, to open the door before I turn on the light. Dude, that's crazy, man. How, what, how know, many square footage was your place? 3,000 about. 3, okay. Yeah, that's New about, that's about the, the square foot of my place right now. And it's nowhere yeah, near New 12K. York's yeah, New York's expensive. It's mad expensive. Shit. Crazy. You know? And the real estate tax. And then you're talking about everything's expensive here too. Gas. Well, and I was making it, making money for like a little over four years. I was killing it. Wow. Like covering the nut, paying my coaches good. Like I paid the best of anyone around. And they didn't even realize it until they tried what to. Was the, what was your percentages for trainers? Um, dude, on privates? Yeah. I was letting them keep, like, their first 10 privates. Really? 100%? I'm an asshole. Yeah, yeah, because I, I don't know shit, because I'm a good, because I'm trying to be, like, love, because I would have them teach classes, and I was paying uh, above the going rate for classes at the time, like $30, I, $35 a class. Okay, all right. There's a lot to pay for a guy for a class, and you're talking about a coach that I made, not, like, a coach that, that came to you, like, a coach I built up. Got it. Help him get his cert and like Dude, train is, them on the that, floor. That's what I want to do, John. I want to like start doing that. Like I'm in the process of of like building up like a couple of minions and like. Oh, I don't want to do that shit. It ruined me. 
So then, really? uh, so <laughs> okay. well, right. yeah, I'm not a good guy. Well, I'm not a manager. So I built the dudes, but I'm not good at managing the employee. Yeah. Uh, managing the independent contractor, I should say, because I have an issue with that. So managing, <laughs> so I have an issue managing the independent contractor. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. Uh, so I'm not a great manager. And that showed me that. I, I really should have had like a thousand square foot spot and just did it myself with a, with a, a really good desk person. How many, how many, uh, how many, uh, independent contractors did you have? Six. Okay. And what yeah. would you say the biggest, the biggest problem you had as far as a manager? Dude, it's enough to manage myself, keeping everyone's schedules together, making sure everyone's properly motivated. Plus it was enough. Like I had my, my, I was full just with my own work, coaching and you know, trying to keep everything together, like managing other guys' schedules and yeah. making sure they were happy and motivated. I'm trying to make sure they make enough money. And, you know, it's just – and then one thing goes wrong in the place. It's uh, – whatever. So I wasn't oh, crazy shit. about okay, it. Okay, that's good you information. Know, so I'm just saying, I wasn't – you know what? I, at the time, I thought it was a loss because I lost my house at the time. So then I wound up sleeping in the back of my gym with my wife. So we were, like, practically homeless. Wow. Then when I closed the gym, I was, like, sleeping in the car for a minute uh until i wound up back in brooklyn um but yeah so i was at a pretty low spot but what i was trying to say about energy is that's just part of the path you know so like um bring it back baby bring it back bring it back so that's (laughs) part of the path so when i vibrate my energy with the odinic path you have to have loss totally to to go to the other side and then come back yes uh, 100 percent. and yeah i haven't fought in 10 years and after a year after i closed my gym maybe a little more i had my first fight in bellator and and how long was it that was 18 months ago okay or or a little more now 20 months ago right okay Uh, and it came up a little short but listen my first time back fighting it i fought a mohegan son 10,000 people uh the guy i fought was really good 155 pounder um and i did good in that fight took him down early I was all over him, and uh, I got cut, and I lost my composure. And even though the fight went on a, a while after I got cut, when I lost my composure, that's when I lost the fight. And I was like, okay, you got to work on that. So I worked mm-hmm. on it. And plus, I did good things in that fight. So I, I took all the good out of it, too. That was the you one you watched multiple times. Yeah, I was like, you did this right, you did this right, you did this right. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I watched my last fight a few times, but there wasn't as much um, – I wasn't as upset. So I you learn more from the losses, definitely. I mean, it's just a metaphor. I learned a lot from the win. There was actually a lot of things I, I did, I could do better personally. Cool. When I watched it again, when I watched my last fight, I did. Listen, I did great, you know. Uh, when I watched it, though, I, I did a few things that I need to, that I want to improve. Uh-huh. Because I know that if I fight again, when I fight again, we'll see what happens, whatever the universe wants. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Like, uh, I mean, you can go into, like, you're going to be Tom Brady of fighting, or what's it going to – UFC is in the horizon? What are you thinking? I like Bellator. I prefer Bellator. You prefer Bellator? I would do – I prefer Bellator. I would be open to doing Risen in Japan also, or one. So I would – Are there, there a lot of – If I wasn't like, going to do – I was going to say there are a lot of, like, guys that go from Bellator to Japan. I feel like that's yeah, a, yeah. a common thing, it's right? It's a common thing, yeah, because of Risen. Because yeah. Bellator has a deal with Risen where they cross-promote the champions. Oh, got it. So I, uh, the only thing that would make my dick hard to fight again would be a fight in Japan or uh, a fight maybe in Brooklyn. Okay. You know, at the Barclays. That would yeah. make my dick hard to fight. Oh, it's a lot it. of work to get a fight in. I, I got to be motivated every day. Are you to, from Brooklyn get, or what, what part of New yeah, York? Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm cool. from Brooklyn. 
So to fight in Brooklyn yeah. would, be, would be pretty epic because Definitely. there was no chance of it happening when I turned pro in 2003 because mixed martial arts was illegal in New York. Oh. So I'm fulfilling dreams that never even imagined could be fulfilled. But because the universe put me on pause for a little bit, right, those five years at the gym, I had stopped fighting because I had my shoulder re- replaced twice. So I had my left shoulder, uh, not replaced, reconstructed. Yeah. I had four anchors put in the two with the bicep reattached. I had a labral tear and a rotator cuff tear. What, what caused four, that? Wrestling. I messed it up wrestling. Just over and, time? No, what no, one incident. I took oh, a nasty one incident. fall. Yo, nasty fall, ripped the whole thing out. Oh. And then for six months, didn't get it. Like, it kept coming out. Like, give a female Gibson a lethal weapon. When the shoulder pops out, yeah, yeah, yeah. back in. So that was happening for like six months. Then I finally got it worked on. I got surgery on it. And then a month after the surgery, I got into a car accident. Oh, shit. And then when I got into the car accident, everything ripped out. The anchors ripped out. I'm on the side of the highway, and uh, they had to redo the surgery. So that took me forever to recover from. So, okay. So right, hold on. Let me, let, me, from that, let me go back to that, because that seems like a, 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 a stretch of events that are extremely unfortunate that would make the, any, any regular Joe just, like, fucking down. That's it. You can easily have 100 million excuses why you're not going to fight again and win and all that stuff. So, like, how do you handle that? Like, why is this happening to me? Where do you go inside to fucking try to figure that out and fix that and why that keeps kind of happening at the moment? Because I always try to remind myself that I am a tiny speck of dust. And my perspective, because of that, must be very limited, right? If I told, if I was able to get to the size of an ant, and I told that ant that there are 100 billion galaxies in the universe, just our universe, there might be more, mm. the ant couldn't comprehend it. Right. He's an ant. His world looks, look how small his world looks to him, right? Mm-hmm. If you told a sparrow to start doing, you know, uh, algebra, he probably wouldn't be able to do it, right? <laughs> So you have to understand that. So then I tell myself, okay, listen, your perspective sucks. You're human. You're, you have no perspective. There's a lot of things humans are exceptional at. Perspective is not one of them. And look at your life <laughs> and you will know this to be true. Right? Think about your perspective. Oh, this, this is the love of my life. Next week, I hate that bitch. You know, think about your perspective, okay, in life. So now whenever something happens, I'm like, okay, your perspective is probably wrong. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. So your perspective is probably pretty wrong. Dude, that takes but Hold that on. takes some fucking maturity. It takes courage to fucking admit that shit. Nobody ever wants to go there. Ever. Hey, listen, my perspective is gonna be shitty. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm in my own body, living my own life. Of course I'm super selfish. You know, so my perspective's always gonna suck. So then I always have to when something that you think is bad happens, I'm like, this isn't bad. It's just my perspective is really limited. How is this gonna what what's this gonna lead to? Let's say. Yeah. You know, even like yesterday, I told you I, uh, I took a couple grams of mushrooms. Yes. Fasted, and, uh, by the way, three days. I, three so. days, I did three days, no, no food, just water and black coffee, nothing in it. Black coffee, of course. Of course. Hey, listen, I do have 4 a.m. clients. So yeah. Well, wow. The coffee's essential, man. Do you wait later on in like the morning to do it or do you do it first thing? You know, I've had people tell me that it's bad to do it in the morning, but I think that necessity uh, dictates anything you do. Yeah. So it's like, listen, I, at four in the morning, just give me my fucking coffee. I hear you. (laughs) Let me just drink my coffee on the car ride to the gym. You know what? What what would I rather have? My 4 a.m. cancel on me because he's like, John's an asshole or drink my coffee. And maybe, I don't know. What did someone tell me? Oh, that might mess up your like 
cortisol response. I was like, let me tell you something. Waking up at 4 a.m. is already messing it up. Yeah, fuck yeah. The coffee might help it. Dude, I'm with you. I'm with you. Do you do a do you do a joint or some sort of weed with the coffee in the morning or like? No, no, no. I, no, I, I'm not real. I, I, I don't like to work out high. Really? Personally, so. Okay. What about with? Like, what about CBD? Mono, man, nah. unless it's monostructural, like let's say I'm gonna go for a run in the park. Uh huh. And it's nice out. I might smoke a joint. Okay. But if you're like, yo, let's go train, let's spar, nah, nah. If I have to think about it. I don't want to be high. Interesting. Well, I, I hear the, the jujitsu community is like, uh, Rogan says it all the time. It's like they're they big. They love to. Yeah. Get high and roll, yeah. They love to roll high. I don't know. Yeah. Not, my, not my thing. I know a lot of guys like it. But yeah, so a friend of mine and I, uh, I'm actually doing a podcast with him tonight. He's a creator of a CBD company. We're going to put a YouTube show together where we mix cannabis and exercise and talk about some of the benefits and, and have these conversations while we work out and kind of do a fun and interesting show mixing the two because, you know, I'm in Chicago right now and it's going to be legal 2020. And I think, you know, the roaring 20s is about to happen again, but instead of the Great Depression, it's going to be the Great Resistance. And we're going to educate the people about all this type of shit, you know? Being, becoming balanced, recalibrating the nervous system and, and trying to take in information from our environment at equilibrium so that we could navigate the fourth dimension freely. You know what I'm saying? But it's not for everybody. Balance, balance is an interesting topic. I'm not much for balance as I am for more optimization of your qualities. I find balance outside of myself. So mm. like I'm a little chaotic and I'm out there, right? Yeah. Doing epic shit. Well, you're a fighter. You, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now I could easily go off the deep end. However, my wife is my balance. She has a, while she is wild and her own <laughs> epic personality as well. Her job's a little more stable, right? A little right. more uh, regimented as far as she knows when she's off. Like, yeah. I don't know when I'm going to have to work sometimes. You know, totally. Hey, listen, I don't, Am I going to fight in Mohegan Sun? Am I going to be in, you know, New York? Am I going to have to go on business? I just went to Vegas for four days. One of my friends fought. I went and trained out the UFC PI. You know, that's four days unexpected. So Yeah, yeah. And then I come back home, and that settles me down. So my balance isn't within myself. Otherwise, it would take away from what I do well. Interesting. Right? You know, we say something funny. Okay, so listen. In fighting, uh, when I started coming up, we would be like, what is that guy good at? Is he more of a striker or is he more of a grappler? And if you said the guy was well-rounded, we would laugh and be like, that means he's not good at anything. Mm. He sucks. Yeah. You interesting. Know? Like, yeah interesting. So I know. So it's like, you want something, you know, like you're really good at, and then you can try to work your game to that. But if you're not really good at anything, if someone's better than you at one part, it might not be able to get your game to the other spot. Like, I want to get, listen, I'm a freaking black belt in jiu-jitsu. I know where my bread is buttered. And I'm going to die, you know, trying to do, listen, I don't mind striking on the feet, but always with the thought that there's going to have to be a way that I get this to my world. And even if I don't ever take you down, there's not going to be a point where I'm not trying to initiate things that will open that up eventually. Interesting. Maybe if we fought for a day my strategy would open up to take, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You might not even get to see that, but that's what I'm, I'm trying to work what I'm good at. Do well what, my coach, Ralph Mitchell's like, do well what you do well, Manimal. He's like, you're going to start going out there and doing what? Shit you're not good at, you're going to get knocked out. And you see that happen all the time. 
How do you, you see me in my business? What I do, I try to do well, what I don't do well. And it takes a lot of energy. When you try to do shit, you're not good at Think about it. Think about yeah. something you're not good at doing. Like for me, let's say uh, computer programming. If I go to try to do that, even to learn it, I'm a smart guy. It's not part of my congruency and my makeup. Dude, I'm with it's you. Gonna take, it's going to take me a long time to do it. How long like, did I'll it take it. me to turn the video on and record on the Zoom? <laughs> yo, yo, okay. You know I'm what like, I mean? Bro, it's on the bottom of your screen. Okay, it's something you're not great at takes you longer. Right. Whereas if you go with your strengths, you do that good. Right. How long does it take you to get ready to coach a class? You're like, boom, I'm ready. Right. Let's go. I'm in front of the, so yo, fast. let's go. I'm real, grab yeah. the mace. Start swinging yeah. that shit around. Let's go. Right, right. Right, but if you were like, all right, listen, we're going to have to record this, then we're going to have to edit it. You're like, oh, God, it's going to take you months. That's the worst part of it, yeah. <laughs> okay, so why totally. play around there? Then you would get a guy, like, think about it. Even in business, they're like, you got to get partners that shore up your weaknesses. Yeah. So, yeah, Definitely, balance. Dude. See, like, I like optimization, which might not look – balance is like 50-50. Optimization might be 80-20 to me. Interesting. I got to know about what the video is supposed to look like. I should be able to do a little bit of editing, a little bit of this. But when it becomes major, I don't do it. I hand it off. Yeah. The quarterback outsourcing, out there, that's the important. The quarterback is not on the line. You know, the quarterback isn't, isn't a linebacker. He right. doesn't switch. And then these defense. Yeah. It's, right. interesting, it's interesting concept. Like the way, the way that you, 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 your perspective is on that. And I do that. I, I don't disagree. I fucking totally agree. But, but then, I know like, everyone's saying balance, balance. I hear that a lot. Balance, balance. I'm like, okay, but if, all, if you're all balanced, we're going to go back to Harris and Bergeron. Everything's going to be equal. Nothing's going to be exceptional. But then what about like the Taoist approach, the whole like path of least resistance optimizes you in a sense that the fucking universe takes control over your flow. You know what I mean? So like that how, happens how, a lot too. The universe has its own flow. Yeah. Yeah. The universe has its own flow. It's utilizing you as a tool. A hammer isn't a screwdriver. If I'm the hammer of the universe, let me be the hammer of the universe. Hmm. If the Taoist is the, you know, a different type, right? He's that guy is like, Oh, I'm going the middle path of the universe. Well, that's his path. Hmm. That doesn't mean that's everyone's path. Some right. guys might have the middle approach. I have a friend, Mike, who's like, a real mellow dude. He, you want very mellow, right? He goes surf and he's mellow. He found that balance might exist in him. Mm -hmm. But I think if that's not you, that's not you. Yeah. And people totally. are like, oh, I got to be balanced now when you're not a balanced person. You know, but when yeah. you try to be balanced, you know, I don't see the lion out there in the jungle. Like, you know what? I wonder what would happen if I had a little fruit in my diet. You know, it's like, right. <laughs> so if that's not you, that's not you. Yeah, dude. But I think it's hard to identify. Everyone's like, oh, I'm too high stress. So I even told my, my partner for my business, he's very high stress. And I was like, of course you're going to be stressed. That's your personality. I was like, so when you see that you're getting stressed, re realize that that stress is your signal that you're where you need to be. You're in your sweet spot. Like when I get scared before a fight, I'm scared. Totally. Yeah, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't care what a guy – you know what guys say? They're like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You're scared, bro. You're scared. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So, but, but, it's, but I know when I feel that, I'm where I need to be. I'm like, oh, you're scared. Good. You're where you need to be. You're about to fight. If you're not scared, you, whoo, maybe you should be. <laughs> totally. I'm not looking to get – so like Maybe you're scared, scared. you're scared is like on that, that is like the, like I said, the purest form of fucking stress for a human. Like that is like, that <laughs> is the top the of the chain. You know and what I'm saying? When they lock the door, you hear the bolt. 
Yeah. Like, that's loud. It's like, clink. Yes. Like, You're, okay. you, in past lives, you were probably fighting in Rome. Fuck, man. Like, that's the highest No, no. Form. My life in, in Rome. Now, this is going to sound surprising to you. I was a auxiliary uh, soldier, but a female. And I had this argument with one of my friends. I was like, no. I was like, the Sarmatians, when Rome took over a place, they were auxiliary troops. They kept the same. So if you were a spear thrower, when you went to Rome, you were a spear thrower. If you were an archer, when you went to Rome, you were an archer. Romans field heavy, heavy infantry. Hmm. So if you're a Roman legionary, you're heavy infantry. If you're a Numidian, you're cavalry. That's what you do well. You hmm. do well what you do well. The Romans Holy. knew that. They're like, okay. So I was like, listen, my Sarmatian group had chicks in it. You know, and they found burial sites. I was like, listen, in Sarmatia, I was like, we had girls there. We had chicks. You know, did, Vikings too, you have female warriors. Yeah, totally. So, dude, that's, dude, you have a really interesting perspective. So let's, let's take this back to, like, the fucking ether. Let's take this back to what's beyond this fucking 3D realm, the fucking 4D realm, and accessing yeah. that type of gateway or doorway in real time. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, what's the base of everything? Probably gravity. <laughs> Probably a one singular point that's infinitely dense and infinitely connected. I mean, physically, but like, how do you how do you navigate that in this three D realm? Like, how do you get to that point with your soul and learn to fucking manifest the reality that you are trying to manifest in a, in a sense? Oh, I think reality is what you call it, where your perception meets the road. Mm. So everyone's reality is going to be a little different. I mean, I worked at a mental hospital for a while. Those guys' realities were different than what you would call your reality, totally. but no less real for them. So what I call reality has to be relatively subjective. I mean, we could agree on certain things. My foot is on the table. We're on the call. Uh, but we get a lot of problems with color perception, things like that. Yeah. So, oh, you mean like when I'm in the other, the other worlds? Yeah. Like, so like how- There's how a lot does- going on. You know what I've been, I've been, I've been like meditating on a lot lately is, is the quantum state the same as the psychedelic state? Are those worlds synonymous? Can we access, can we access the psychedelic state around? Okay. So when I, usually when I communicate the best, this is going to sound weird, but whatever. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm weird like that, dude. I want to hear this. When I astral project and I communicate the best with Odin, uh, we're at the Helix Nebula. Uh, so when I do work in the quantum field, I wind up in pretty much the same spot, which so is, I don't know, uh, outer space, somewhere in the helix nebula, me, that's where my temple is. I like to go there. Okay. And when I go in the quantum realm, I'm just right there and I kind of just tap into it. And so is you- it, is the quantum realm right behind where I am astrally? Is the quantum realm part of the astral world or is it behind that? I think it's a little bit further behind that because I did some work that Joe Dispenza says, like going into the quantum, like going into the quantum realm and forming things there. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, I just wind up at my astral temple. And then I guess I take a little one more step down, one more step in, okay. I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, or one more step out. I don't know. I take one more step past the consciousness of that. So if this physical, right, this is one, uh-huh. my astral body two, uh-huh. The quantum body, let's say, is three. Okay, got it. So, like, it's 3D, 4D, 5D. I kind of read an article on that the other day. You know, that's how that. it seems to me. 
I'm also not trying to label every freaking thing. Mm-hmm. Trying yeah. to experience it. Yes, yes, yes. You know? Yes. Like sometimes, like, listen, I don't need to have a name for every position I wind up in in bed. <laughs> you know, we're just enjoying it. Yeah, right. We're, right. Just, we're just in the moment. We're just being. Right there sometimes in jujitsu, you wind up in a position that has no name. It's just awkward as shit. Totally. And you're working from this position that you've never been in before. So I don't like to label everything, but I'd have to say that the quantum realm is, it might be like right back to it. So you don't right think the quantum it. realm and psychedelic realm have any sort of symmetry or anything? Like Maybe, but where's the psychedelic realm? Is the psychedelic, because the things I see on psychedelics, I see pretty much the same if I'm uh, projecting. So, yeah. You so know, now, I mean, t- I'll t- get t- different insights. Mushrooms give me more of a, Actual mushrooms give what psychedelics give me the most internal perspective. Yes. Uh, and then sensory acuity, like my hearing. Yes. My sight. Yes. And can I go into the other worlds? Yeah, I do. Like sometimes I'll go into that clockwork type dimension or the fractal dimension, just like really energy. You probably just wound up inside a piece of energy. Right. It, you know, or, or maybe you wound up inside a photon because mm. light has all the colors in it. Who knows where you wound up? My, I have to also know that I might not know exactly where I am. Yeah, totally. Dude, it's so, it's just, it's just, it fucking, it's wild to me because, all right, so like you, you mentioned mushrooms. What, like, have, have you ever experienced any sort of MDMA or are you? No, you had asked me about that. I think yeah. when I was young, they used to have ecstasy on the market, but that was more like a party drug for kids when we were young. Yeah. So I don't think, but MDMA is like the pure shit, right? Yeah, exactly. And that, and that's that's exactly like the type of like mentality it's gotten. It's this party drug, you feel this crazy euphoria, but like, you know, going back to my my topic of balance and, you know, spinal decompression, working out with a mace or offset tools, kind of recalibrating your body from a connective tissue standpoint. And uh, you know, you're just, you know, when you fast, your your hormones are more equilibrium, you're just kind of again, your system is kind of taking in the information around you as pure as, as possible. So I think when you do something like a MDMA, you can really experience downloads from these dimensions that we're talking about or internal downloading or internal reality or whatever the heck that is so that it can project at crazy fucking magnitude. So you can tell. Now is it, is it very visual? Is it, it it's a, it's a, it's a combination of visual. It's a combination of like almost this godlike projection, this godlike courage. And like you get, I feel like the downloads that you get are just really intense pieces of information that can, you know, it's like a conduit through you that can basically leave a positive impact on humanity. That's, that's what I get, especially the more, the more balanced you are. So like I'm an experienced meditator for the last two years, right? I, I try to pull it back every time shit gets a little too crazy. And I'm more like your buddy. Like I'm a little bit more mellow. I'm not as high strung. I'm not, I don't want to fight ever. I never want to fuck. Yeah. Fight. I see. Yeah. You know so what you I'm saying? Like I want to, I want to like, let's the wave light. Yeah. The energy. Exactly. Your energy is a little more balanced. Exactly. Exactly. But my 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 thing is, I think about I think about that state that I'm in, and I think about navigating that quantum realm in this reality. I want to really learn and harness the the teachings of Joe Dispenza and understand it to a point where I could, you know understand people's bodies body language and energy a little bit more so I can help them during my training or during a class and I can be a little bit more on point with that shit. What are your thoughts on that? So I do energy. So I actually have to stop myself from getting too involved energy wise. I'm also, uh, so the other part 
of following the Odinic path, there is actually a whole other path of like healing and energy work. Yeah. Uh, so I and that's, like to- and that's what I'm I'm very interested in. And you know, Alexis was telling me that you do that type of work. I'm a master healer. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did a great great work with her uh, in San Diego. I healed some stuff on the beach, and then uh, I healed. Uh, we, we had this guy Mitch. I worked on his shoulder a little bit. Uh huh. I actually worked on someone yesterday when I'm not in fight camp. Then I can put a little more energy sure. into my healing work. Sure. Sure. So as a master healer, I actually sometimes have to like not really look. Because then once I get involved, I can't stop but get really involved. Me too. Like if I, That's like where if I'm I start at. working on the person, and I'm not looking for money either. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm with you. You know, I'm just, I'm like, man, I just want to help. Me too. You know? I'm there. And, I'm uh, there. And the money exactly. winds up coming to me. You know, I put it out there. I help. And uh, I, I have everything I need. You know, so, uh, so I worked on, so if I see it, I have to do it. So I try to almost not always like, look for the energy out there mm. or else it's gonna get me almost too involved because mm. i have to navigate both worlds i have to navigate not just both worlds a bunch of worlds totally right my mental landscape the physical landscape the the spiritual landscape do yeah. i want to just go around like do i want to spend an hour healing this person you know i don't know it's, now it's take terrible. me a little bit more take me a little bit more in depth when you say healing so like you you look at somebody you feel a certain energy from certain Listen, parts of energy, your body energy flows right right all that happens when people have a lot of times you'll have a coagulation of energy for some reason energy gets blocked up in its normal pathway that coagulation of energy forms like a deposit and that deposit causes a physical manifestation right just you know think about thoughts thoughts are energy right someone thinks something all the time switch your emotion that thought is what happens right yeah that thought is true Right. You know, if I'm always thinking about my shoulder, guess what? My shoulder's going to hurt. Totally. You know, even uh, you'll see this with your clients, like just try to help them stretch and then just tell them to breathe out. And once they stop their mind from like putting the energy on the vein, they go through it. It releases the energy flow. Yeah. So when energy becomes coagulated, I see that. And then I have a, a, a few tools to mitigate that. So you start from you can start from the physical to the energetic or go from the energetic to the physical you know it depends on the person if they're too sensitive to the touch physical touch then i'll start with energy and that'll start to help me then be able to manipulate it in the physical world now you do it manually or what and yeah i'm I'm also active release therapist so i'll do i put hands you know i move it around yeah you know you know what i really try to do what's that whatever i would do in jujitsu I do the opposite and hmm. I'll fix you. So if I want to rip your shoulder out with a Kimura, I'll just do the opposite movement. That actually will help your shoulder. Oh my just do God. The opposite, just reverse engineer what I would do to hurt you and it'll heal you. Wow. Okay, dude, that's a very, it works a lot. Cause it's like, okay, well, how would I break your leg? All right, well, let's make sure we don't put our leg in that position. Yeah. Oh, even like how someone moves. So I try to move really well in the day. Even like when I put my feet up, I'm trying to make like 90 degree angles and arches mm-hmm. because I think I'm like, like, okay, I'll show you one. Like, let's say my feet are like this. You see how they're like crossed over? Uh-huh. That's a bad position. That's what I would do if I want to pull your heel and, and get a nasty reverse heel hook. So I don't want to do that because then I'm putting pressure on my hip, which right. is why that move works. So hmm. I just reverse engineer my jujitsu to move well. Wow. Right. I want to hurt you with jujitsu. I want to rip your bones apart. Totally. Destroy your joints. 
So if I want to fix your joints, let's not put your body in the position I would want to put it in to destroy it. And that's been working well for me. And then when I use the energy work with that, you know, it helps a lot. And then we do a lot of things in a day that I'm trying to avoid doing improperly. I drive a lot. So when I drive, I try to make sure like my left leg is at 90 degrees and my right foot, I use my quad muscle to move that. So I don't have slack on the knee, which was what I would do if I wanted to knee bar you. Oh, I'm also, I get also a lot of this from, uh, I'm a Feldenkrais practitioner. Are you familiar with Moishi Feldenkrais's method? No, I'm not. Okay, look him up, Feldenkrais. Uh, he was like a judo player back in the 40s and 50s, but he has a movement strategy where he takes it back to like what a baby does to learn how to move. And then a lot of what he does bases off that. Hmm. So there's a lot of little movements um, that you do, like recalibrating your body after years of moving incorrectly uh-huh. in unnatural environments, which we do uh-huh. all the time. Right. That he takes it back. He's like, okay, what does a baby do? Baby's <laughs> on his back, grabs his toes, pulls him into him, lays one, rocks one way, rocks the other way, start rolling around, start crawling. So you see a lot of this now uh, starting to occur with different movement modalities. Yeah. I know the guy, uh, the Align guy, he... Uh, Al- 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 Alexander, whatever. Alexander, yeah, we had trained with him in, uh, Aaron in San Alexander. Diego. That's Aaron Alexander. We trained with Aaron in San Diego. And he does a lot of these, like, get on the floor. And I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, I run uh, on all fours all the time. I think getting on the floor is great. Hmm. I was at the UFC Performance Institute. And this right conditioning coach said I had the fastest bear crawl we ever seen. Wow. And my friend was like, well, that's the animal. He that's the animal, on- exactly. He was like, that dude spends more time on all fours than on two legs. Dude, I would hate to be in like a fucking bear crawl race with you. Like, you know, like <laughs> if it was like a, if it was like me, like starting and give me 20 second head start and you were fucking chasing me or something like course, to the line. Because I'm stocky too. It's like, my I'm, good goodness. The, I'm good at the bear crawl. What, uh, so, what, but how, being how, on the ground you? Oh, I'm short, five, five. I'm, oh, I'm five sure. five. I'm stocky, five five. Yeah, I'm even thick at one forty five. If I was younger, I, they probably would have fought me at thirty five. But I'm too jacked now. Yeah, I'm so strong. You know, those years of putting on strength and muscle, the years at the CrossFit gym kept my body resilient. Totally, because I wasn't getting punched in the face, and I lifted a lot. So now my body's resilient. You know, lifting's really good for joint strength. Oh, totally. I don't. I don't think lifting's gonna help someone necessarily win a fight. I mean, maybe if they were really weak before, but it is going to help them fight longer. Like, I think one of the main reasons I'm able to fight so old is that I have a pretty good strength and conditioning program. You know, I take, I, I still lift in camp twice a week. Not how much, super heavy. How much is it? So you said not super heavy? No, nah, because in camp, I don't want to be sore and get kicked in the leg. Totally. You, right, you, so you try to, what do you try to keep? Like four or five 60, RIR reps? 65%. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to like 65%. Got it. My one rep maxes. You know, or I just, this is going to sound silly. I like to hit a swole session. You like you to know, hit a what? Do like a swole session where you do like a bodybuilder style workout. Really? Yeah, because it just keeps the, your, your joints resilient. Like, now, now like how 12 much? Arnold presses, yeah. 12, you know, um, bent over row, 12 single arm. I like a lot of dumbbell stuff okay. in my weight training for martial arts. Because asymmetrical movement's important. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to have both hands different spots usually. Totally. So I'd rather have dumbbells, kettlebells, things like that. Yeah, so like but, I was uh, going to ask, where does unconventional play a role? Like how much do you do kettlebell and steel mace work in that? Huh. 
steel mace, not as much because I have another thing I, I used to make. You know, I'm the first person really to be using like clubs and maces in America. You said, never, you said back in 07, right? When, when in you say- 07, I used to make something called a power stamp. It was a mace, but hollow, okay. filled with steel shot and sand. So the weight would move inside. Hmm. And I was using those and I did well with them, but the market wasn't right for me to do more. And uh, the manufacturing of it was difficult. So, but I had done that for like a year and a half and uh, I actually sold a good amount of them, but Interesting. They, were tough, they were tough to make. And once I sold to the fringe, that was it. Like the fringe bought it and it wasn't mainstream at all. And I was doing that for a long time, but I really felt that helped me heal my shoulder. Totally. The shoulder mobility. Yeah. Doing the work with the, with the mace and the club really helped my shoulder mobility. So that, uh, that's very beneficial. So why don't you I use it like anymore? Strong, I do. Oh, you still use it? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I have it in the backyard. I still have a ton of them. Oh, okay, You cool. know, but they're just mine to use. So I, yeah. I don't have a steel mace at home. I got a freaking old power staff in the backyard. Yeah, that works. That you know works. Okay, mean? cool. So yeah, use, yeah, yeah. I do that type of training, but with my old shit, you know, because it was yeah. good. And it has a two-inch grip. So the two-inch handle for the super 15-pound important. club is super important for oh, grip yeah. strength because I'm always oh, yeah. grabbing, right? Um. So yeah, I like the mace, kettlebells. I really like strongman training. I have stones okay. in the backyard. Okay. Stones are important. Farmers walks. Yeah. You ever train yeah. with sandbags or ropes or anything like that? Sandbags, ropes. Yeah, I mean, I had a cross gym for. I do it all tires. I mean, leave no stone unturned. It's a, it's nice to do. It's fun too. Totally, totally. You know, I like awesome. to have a good. I enjoy working out. It's fun. Yeah, so for sure. Sled push, sled pull. We got a versa climber at Law. That's really good for conditioning. Yeah. It's way underutilized because it sucks so much. How much, how much uh, like primal body weight flows are you doing before, after, during camp or just regular workout when you're not in camp? My manimal movement? Yeah. The second I wake up, I do my manimal yes. movement. Yes. You know, the se- I look at the animals. So the second a dog or a cat wakes up, he does a quick stretch. Yep. So the second I get up, I get five minutes, I go through my Feldenkrais routine. I call that my manimal movement series because I have a couple of jujitsu things in that too. Cool. So I do my little five minute routine and I get in my car and usually go to work, you know, oh, but right I don't away. like to, you don't mosey yeah. on up. You don't like wake up early and 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Bro. <laughs> How much earlier can I wake up? It's already 4 a.m. That's what true. What do I want to do? Wake up at 3.30 a.m. I already, I, I, I was, I usually train at night till yeah. nine, you know, now it's 10 o'clock. I go to sleep. I at least need six hours. Did you, hold on. Did you want yeah. a food baby? No, but they didn't answer you. I texted you. I thought they make that. Yeah, isn't that what? Oh, trying to get lunch. It's important. My wife just came home from summer school. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, tell her I appreciate her work. Danny, who I'm doing the podcast with, is a teacher as well. He feels your pain. He says it's impossible to be an educator in the system. Well, here's the thing. She I, said, don't even start. <laughs> We're going to have to hold do on, it. Hold on, hold on. I want to hear the day. What happened? No. What do you mean you have to do yearbook? Yo, my wife's the senior advisor. Uh-huh. And they had, like, the media department doing yearbook. Now they told us she has to do yearbook. But it's another, but it's another ton of work. It's another, totally. like, 10 hours a week of work on top of what she does. What the hell, Tammy? Did you tell them to get out of here? Really? Shit, what? Did you tell did you that tell sucks. her to tell them to get out of here? Just stop it. Just tell them no. <laughs> tell them no. So that's yeah, the thing. Dude, then I... she'd have to give up the position. So she's a senior advisor. 
which comes with extra, you right. know, extra per diem, right? Right. But a lot more work. And now they dump another thing on her, which she really shouldn't have to do, but she's saying she'd have to give up the position. I, what a pain. You know what the problem is? I'm going to tell you what the problem is. The tell real me. Problem, that when they fucking see in a civil service job, one person that does any work, they do all the work. They keep giving you more and more work. Yeah. So if you don't work, they don't give you shit to do. And if they see you're a workhorse, they put all the work on you. Totally. That's what I think personally. It's true. Like the person that works winds up doing all the work. And yeah, then man. a lot of other people, why is it the person that was already doing your book going to keep doing it? Because they didn't want to do the work and they bitch about it. And Tammy never bitches about the work. She just puts her head then, down, grinder. Because she's a grinder. Yeah, she's a grinder. <laughs> no, she's a grinder. I she's bet. I feel grinder. My yeah. life is the, you don't even know, but she is the ultimate grinder. She just gets the work done. You're like, yo, what do you need me to do? Pull the stars from the heavens? Fine. I'll do it. <laughs> you know? Like she's Dude, like, we're gonna, I'm going to oh. have to podcast with her. I wish. She's so quiet. You know, we're the opposites. I told you, opposites attract and balance is not in me. Right, so right. You see how outgoing I am? Yeah. My wife is a lot more conservative with this type of stuff. She sure, doesn't like sure. to public speak as much. Sure. You know, she's a hero, but she'll be an unsung hero. Dude, I'm in, I'm in the same exact setup, man. I can totally relate. Because my wife, I've been together with her 11 years. And fucking, like, she's No my... way! I'm going on 11 years with my wife. Are you serious? Yeah, that's so crazy. 11 that years is crazy. Ah, that is crazy. crazy. Wow. Yeah. She's very... You don't, look young en- you don't look old enough to be married 11 years. Well, I, we've been together for 11. We've been married for two. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, you know, she's she comes from a traditional family. She's very conservative. She's very like, uh, you know, an introvert. And I'm fucking, you know, got the podcast. I'm a, you know, a fitness I'm a trainer. trainer. I'm an yeah, outgoing guy. Out you have to be in all business. If you're not out there, you're nowhere. Oh, totally, totally. And I'm, dude, I'm submersing myself now. Here's here's something I would love to pick your brain about. I, I do you have another? Do you have another forty five minutes or so? Can we go to two? Or yeah, you're at three. Sure. Three o'clock for you. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah I don't Cool. So yeah, here's something. I mean, I'll just I'll stop when the food comes. Okay, totally. <laughs> hold fine. on, I might have to I might have to charge my phone now. That's fine. Get it, get it there. But here, here's can, something. I'll, hold here's on. Something can I you hear run me by you. good without my headphones? I can hear you. Yeah. Can you hear me? Uh, can you hear me good without my headphones? I can hear you. Yeah, no problem. Oh, all right. Yeah, it's fine then. So, um. I chose not to go back to teaching this year. And I don't know if it's something that I'm going to do again. Uh, I want to know your thoughts on how we talk about cannabis, how we talk about psilocybin, how we talk about MDMA, how we talk about our personal experiences. If you are in that industry, how do we talk about these things, good and bad, all the rules, all the things to be aware of, set and setting, the benefits, the, the negatives from it. How do we talk about that without getting too, pe- too many people offended and get a good message across to people all over the place, young and old? Yeah, you know, it's tough, right? Because there's still a stigma uh, against it. Like, do I want to talk to my nephew who's 10? Like, when do I talk to, my, to someone about psychedelic use? Right. Like, do I... Do I want to talk to my 10-year-old nephew about it? Probably not necessary. That kid's probably tripping balls all the time. Totally. Right? The way a kid sees the world is probably different. It's psychedelic. So it's have, yeah, being a child psychedelic, right? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 like to tap in, I like to tap into my inner child all the time and fucking do this. That's how I can – that's how, like, I feel I can tap into being as pure as possible and being as flowy as possible and just kind of fucking do the best version of me, just when I'm, like, kid-like. 
I think that's pretty common. Yeah. So kids definitely yeah. see the world different. So yeah, when does that conversation come up? E even like for for me, I'm not telling my nephew I'm doing mushrooms, and I'm not also, you know, I don't smoke in front of him. Right. right. Not that but I then, think there's anything wrong with it, but but then first having of like all, a public... I don't want to have. First of all, I don't want my sister-in-law to be like you know a bad influence. Oh, totally. Even though I don't think there's anything wrong with it, I just don't want to raise a social criticism to it. Whereas if I have a drink at Thanksgiving, no one says nothing. Nothing. I have a drink at Thanksgiving and that's fine. Whereas that messes me up way more than any weed I smoke. Well, that and it's like responsible for so much death and disease. Like alcohol is a fucking, it's just a societal uh, acceptance. Like it's part of our, our culture. It's a norm. But, uh, you know, as, as we progress, as we evolve as a nation, as a, as a world, you know, we globally evolve. Like these types of things are more mainstream. People talk about the positives from it, but they also talk about the negatives. And like from, you know, being in academia for so long, like, and, and a health teacher and talking about drugs, like what, like, where's the boundary line? You know, like, how do we talk about, well, MDMA is actually being used for treating anxiety and depression. And it's got 70% uh, curing rates after just three sessions, according to maps. Like, where is that information going to be like put into a curriculum and let people be well known about this? Uh, without pissing off enough people and offending people in this day and age. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think everything is just a tool. Yeah, it's a resource, so, 100%. But yeah. like, it's this, like MDMA could be a tool for someone. Totally. I, I personally never tried it. Maybe I don't need to. Maybe I would find benefit from it. I don't know. It's just a tool. Is Why? That something uh, that, oh, so like, uh, yeah, no, totally. It's a resource, bro. It's a, but it's how do you make other people feel that way? That it's not it, because we it, we allow things way worse. Yeah. Painkillers, oxycontin. Yeah. Vicodin, Xanax. Oh, take a Xanax. Oh, take a Xanax. Take a Valium. Right. Whatever. Like that's like good to do. But I took two grams of mushrooms yesterday, and my wife was like, "You shouldn't play with your nephews like that." And I was like, "That's your perception about it." I'm having a grand old time. Totally. And I hung out with my family, and no one said a thing. They were like, "Man, John is so patient with those kids. It must be because he doesn't have any." I swear to God, I hear my sister and I told her to a friend, I'm playing with the kids, I'm teaching them how to box, I'm making them do some drills. Because I love, okay, well, I don't like training high, I love teaching high, because I see what they're doing more. Yeah. I'm, I'm creative. I'm in on all so, that, like, cannabis yeah. and being high while doing all that stuff, like, it makes me, it makes me think on a clear, higher level. How, level. Yeah, so, and I played with them, and fine, and I was like, that was your perception of it. So even her knowing me and, and respecting how I approach it, was like hesitant and I only did two grams. It was like not a lot, just enough to put me, what, you think that's a lot? No, I mean, it's just to, to for me, like, no, it's not, it's not a lot, but for people who don't really comprehend what well, you're doing drugs, like this is what I'm talking about. Like, how do we- Well, listen, if I take one Advil, there's a big difference between if I took 40 Advil, I could kill myself. Yeah. So that's important to think about dosage. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. You know, you it's like, oh, it's like they think if like, one grand like one is a million so you know this there's, there's levels to everything right? levels like, 100 like, there's levels to it there's you know i like to take a nice some people like a bath it's very relaxing at 104 degrees but if i put it at 140 degrees it wouldn't be so relaxing no totally you know somebody did both the bath both took a hot bath yeah, right, right. And and psychedelics, dude, you do one gram, two grams, it's a lighter dose. You do five grams and you fucking meet. Death. And you're on the other side, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I took my boy the first time. I took my boy through the underworld. I was like, come on. He's like, well, I'm going to die. 
I was like, of course they're going to die, bro. We're human. I was like, even Gilgamesh. Even Gilgamesh died. Man. He's like, who the fuck is Gilgamesh? Oh, so shit. Then, so, like, so, tell me about so that. Like, when, you, when you do five grams. Oh, wait, before we go there, like... Like you say, you say that uh, you don't want to be a bad influence. You don't want your your ten year old to to know that stuff. But when you have this, no, I didn't say I don't want to know. I just said I I just happen not to talk. It's not something that doesn't need to come up. No, totally. But then, like being in the public eye and having a podcast and talking about this stuff, like what I talk about it on MMA and Beyond, yeah. Yeah, how do you deal with how do you deal with the criticism or like how do you feel about that? Do you feel like it's a negative with people or yeah, do you, you just know, not give a fuck? I can only be congruent to myself. Totally. I'm out there showing my work. You know, I show what I do. What are you gonna say? Yeah. Oh yeah, this guy took mushrooms and he won his fight at Madison Square Garden. You know, like what the yeah, hell? Right. And I wasn't taking it in camp. There's a time where you do it, and there's a time you don't. Totally. Like anything, there's a time it's okay for me to eat ice cream. There's a time it's not. Totally. There's a time on the highway you drive 100 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're not going to do that in traffic. There's a time where it's appropriate. Right, right. And, no, I, and I think play, there's insights yeah. to be learned. I don't always want to be in fight mode. I'll be a complete asshole. Totally. I need to back off, take a little mushrooms, think about, you know, where I am in my life now, and then and go from there. There's your balance. And, and I wouldn't want to be on mushrooms in the fight, right? Definitely not. <laughs> No, yeah, for sure. But like, so, uh, this is good. Like, this is good because I like to break down this type of stuff because personally, I feel that when I do talk about it, I'm hesitant to talk about my own experiences and talking about this in general because typically, dude, I'm fearful of a, of a, of a negative response. But I, I'm, I'm now just coming to grips with myself and saying that, like, I need to express myself about this. Like publicly, I need to express myself about this to other people and talk about this because I really feel like there's a transition in the way and a shift in the way, you know, we're growing as a people. And I really think that these things need to be talked about good and bad, The re like them being a resource and not being so uh, demonized. You know what I mean? I agree. I mean, listen, I'm just trying to set, I'm really trying to set, if not a good example, just maybe an exceptional example. That yeah, exactly. That okay, yes. Do I do I am I a, a fighter? Yeah. Do I also heal? I'm a healer too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could do that also. That doesn't mean you're a mean teacher, I can't you're a coach. You're I healing coach, in so many I different ways. Yeah. Also, uh just because you know what people find funny, all right, yeah, I fight, but uh, I also uh, I'm a great I, I sew costumes. I'm like, why is that not able to exist? I take psychedelics, I like to expand my mind. Yeah. I have a master's in history, right? I have a degree in psychology. Like, I don't have to, like, I don't want to fit, I, I don't want to fall into a pigeonhole of like, oh, this guy's a fighter. Like, you know what everyone asks me? Like, oh, you're a fighter. You must be really angry. <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm not angry at all. Like, <laughs> please, get the fuck, please get the fuck out of here. Please with that shit. I'm like, I'm really calm. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a really calm guy. I was like, maybe if I didn't fight, I'd be a lot angrier. Yeah, totally. You know? No, totally, dude. Like, uh -huh. I, you're an interesting, so, you're interesting. Anyway, so, go ahead. So, yeah, I want to present an interesting picture so that someone could be like, okay. Look at all the variety found in this human. Why can't I uh, enjoy swinging the mace around, but also, you know, talking about spirituality? Yeah. And, wh and why can't I be, you know, an educator of kids, but also maybe educate them about the benefits of cannabis, right? Like, why isn't there room for that? I don't know if there's a place for it now, right now. 
but I think there should be room for it. There's going to have to be because, you know, like everyone's got exposed. We're exposed to all this information constantly. You know, we're already, we're already bionic with the cell phone and we have access to this information. It just depends on what information you're accessing, the type of people that are breaking down the information for this certain individual that's consuming it. Like where is there chemistry there? Is, is it biased? Like there's a, there's a lot of ways that we got to articulate and, and, and we have to navigate that when it comes to when it comes to psychedelics that have been demonized for so long. Like there's got to be a certain way to articulate this information without fucking pissing people off and look and say, hey, let's just have the fucking conversation and put this information out there so that we could, you know, as a as a as a collective kind of understand what resources we have available to us and understand like what it can do. For some people, and then individual on an individual level, anyway. Yeah, I, I would love to see them start to implement utilizing psychedelics in clinical settings, in like med school, so that then when psychiatrists yes. graduate and doctors graduate, then they're more apt to maybe explore that. And I think that's another thing. How come we don't leave room for experimentation with the individual? We just tell them take this, and this should help. Right. But that's not true. You might give someone mushrooms and it might not help. It might not work then. Right. Might not work. Might just actually might be bad. Right. Really bad. For that. You might give someone like me. I don't like painkillers. I don't react well to them. I don't like mm -hmm. the way they make me feel. I never take a painkiller. Mm -hmm. Right. No matter what. Pretty much. I mean, maybe when I hurt my shoulder. Well, that's why too. I hurt my shoulder. They gave me oxy. You, you like them a little it, too it made much? made me really bad. I don't like the way I felt on it. It, you know, made me yeah. depressed. Yeah. Uh, well, that's another thing too. Like, all these not care about anything. So yeah, for these... me, I don't like that. Other people might get good benefit from a painkiller if they need it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, for I, sure. so I don't know. I think there's something about individual experimentation that we don't explore. How does someone respond to to something? Yeah. There might be some people that you know like i mean i guess some people like to take a xanax but you know i guess everyone likes Xanax. <laughs> but uh, i don't like, like it take an adderall from time to time so that, they can, yeah. that they can get fucking wizard like uh courage and wizard like information just pouring through but then like you know it's the same thing for me and mdma like i get the, the I get crazy downloads. I get really crazy inspiration, and I and I take a little bit of information from there, and I apply it to my everyday life. But like I I show my work too. Like I'm hustling. I'm building a business. I'm fucking doing a podcast, and like it like that's the benefit for me. But other people take it, and it looks like it's this this recreational party drug, which it is too. But uh, maybe not. The well, same. you know, it's funny. When I was a kid, it was a recreational party drug. Still is acid just in the early nineties, uh, mid to early nineties and late nineties. Even acid was so readily available. Five oh, so now you're talking hit. acid, yeah. LSD was so readily available. I mean, it's funny we used to take it as a party drug. And yeah, I didn't I realize how powerful it was until later on in my life that I was like, oh man, we were we were underappreciating the value of this. Yeah, I've never taken acid before, but uh, you know, from the information that I've taken in and read, it's like another version of mushrooms, but that's a fucking like uh, an eight-hour version of mushrooms and mushrooms. Oh my are, god, it's like a twelve-hour. It's so long. It's too long. It's almost too long. Like I, I, I don't know. It's almost I like too that. long. Yeah, it's almost too long. Yeah, because it could get so long, and then you're talking and about weird. like 
and uncomfortable. Yeah, it's 12 hours, but then, like, you feel, a, you know, feel it for, like, another two hours. Yeah. And then the hour you took it before, so you got to clear, like, 16 hours of your day. Fuck that. <laughs> and, you have, and you need a babysitter. <laughs> and you need a babysitter. Shit. And you need a babysitter. You need someone who's going to make sure, yeah, you don't start thinking you can fly. Oh, man, dude. Because maybe your spirit flew right out of your body. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, you can so go. So we don't want that? Yeah, you flew. You can go to some dangerous didn't. places, man. It's, and, that, and that's, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This kind of dialogue that I think is very interesting and relatable because it's just two guys here talking about, you know, either whether it's personal experiences or the information that they've gathered from experience and, and, and you know, from books and, audio and, and podcasts and all that. And we can talk about this without pissing people off. Or maybe if it does piss you off, whatever. But at least the, the dialogue is out there where it's like, hey, maybe it's not going to fucking help you and it's super duper dangerous if it, you're not taking this with the proper precaution and respect. Because I definitely think with psychedelics, there's, there's a respect factor because you're dealing with something supernatural. What are your thoughts on that? Hey, listen, I fast for three days to take that minor dose. <laughs> I respect it. I'm looking, to, I'm looking to make the most out of the experience. Yes. Much like with any experience I take. I want the most out of that experience. I want to I wanna get every piece of energy exchanged that I can in that experience. I'm with you. Like, like for my fight, it's not just about the fight. It was about the training. Did you see my walk-in out, my weigh-in outfit? I had the, the leopard no, print I didn't suit. See that. You know, I walked out with the leopard print suit because I'm the manimal, right? Yes. Then I came to the cage with the hammer of Thor because I'm the son of Odin. Yes. You know, so I, I so now is that is that self-proclaimed or do you feel that way? Like, I feel I, that way. That's, I, feel, I feel that way. And plus, did you get that information also, from somewhere? Also, listen, this is the way it works as well. All warriors are the sons of Odin. You know, so in yeah. essence, all warriors are the sons of Odin. You yeah. know, when Odin sacrifices himself upon the world tree of Jassel and rain pours down from the heavens and his blood mixes deep, deep into the earth. <laughs> yes. And he tells the earth to crack open and to spew forth the strongest of the strong. Those are the sons of Odin. Yes. You know, so every warrior is the son of Odin. You know? So. I love it. I love it. And I'm really interested in the whole hero's journey. <laughs> no, dude, I fucking so, yeah, love the it. Hero's, and Odin's hero's journey is one that I like to study. So, it, it, you know, the, everything you need is, is there. And then Odin has a book of Proverbs similar to the Bible, the Havamal, mm -hmm. which is like the most basic book of Proverbs you'll ever read. But endlessly valuable. The basics yeah. don't go bad. No. You know, how to be a good, he tells you how to be a good guest, right? How to be a good host, right? Yeah. How, how you're supposed to live. He's like, uh, a man should be generous and brave in battle and happy to the end of his life. So simple. Totally. Right? Yeah. Why not? Why not follow that shit? <laughs> it's so simple to have a model. I'm like, uh, I actually just finished a book on uh, Viking philosophy for the modern world. So I just got to edit that and put it out. I call it the Tower Ragnar. That's uh, that, that's uh, your personal that. book that you're writing. I already wrote, yeah, I, I finished writing it. I did. I fasted for three days, and then I wrote nine pages a day for nine days. You know how the Tao Te Ching is eighty-one pages. Uh huh. I did it like a play off that. Wow. I did nine. Nine is the sacred number for Odin. So I did nine days, nine pages a day to make the eighty-one. Uh, so yeah, so I just pulled some quotes from the Havamal from different sagas. And then try to translate it, the quote for the modern world. Like, what, I love it. What can you take away for us? So I think it's very impactful. I think the wisdom is simple. 
Definitely. You know, these are people that, you know, are a blend of warriors, merchants. I mean, think about it. Our days of the week come from Scandinavia. I think we have a bad view of, I think we often have a, a yeah, bad view of what Viking society is like. And it's not like anything happens. They just kind of blend in. They really just want to settle mm-hmm. and merge with different people. So they just kind of assimilate into the cultures that they're, that they go to, even like I did my ancestry DNA, I'm 6% Scandinavian, right? And I'm from, and my mom's from Sicily. Yeah. Right. And my dad's from Southern Italy. So they just kind of chill, you know, a thousand years ago, a bunch of Vikings settled in my mom's town and they're like, all right, we're going to hang out here, have a family, you yeah. know? So, and traders, I mean, you find Viking stuff in India, almost as far as China. So they were widely trading, widely disseminating information. Right. When you trade goods, you trade information now. You meet different people. So I, I think there's a lot to be learned there. And, yeah. uh, and, I, and I put that, I distilled that information. And I think it's valuable. And it's simple. I think keep things simple. I think we make things overly complex. Totally, man. I like to say we need to be consistent, yet simple, and adjust along the way. That's what I say. Yeah, simple. Uh, put in the work. Yep. And then we need to make the adjustment. Listen, I can't know. You have to remember there's a lot of variables. Sometimes totally. you got to make adjustments. Yeah. I think it's good to have a plan. Yeah, I think sometimes, so a good, sometimes a good plan, you know, leaves room for spontaneity, which might sound weird. That's interesting. If, if there's a good plan, it, it leaves rooms for spontaneity. That's, dude, I like love- I leave a little room for the universe yeah. to work. Yeah. Like my plan has a little room in it. It's like, okay, what if this day I don't feel great? Like I know in training, I'm like, oh man, I'm supposed to spar Saturday. And then it's like, Man, I just feel banged up. I'm like, well, there's room that I could take a day off if I need to. I don't want there to be no room to make – if I need to take a day off, I don't want it to be like, oh, man, I only got four weeks. I can't take a day off. It's like, all right, well, I have 12 weeks. If I need to take two days off, I can. Yeah. You know, even I remember before Aljo's fight, I don't know if you, if you follow UFC, but my training partner Aljo is the number one bantamweight contender. And his fight for the number one contender spot, he, um, he at one point took three days off. Cause he was feeling beat up mm-hmm. and he killed it in that fight. You mm-hmm. know, he just, his body was like, yo, you need three days off. And while normally a younger fighter, less experienced might've been like, no, I got to push through, you know, 24, seven, three bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah. 1% better every day. He was like, yeah, whatever. I'm taking three days off, bro. You know? And he, and he yeah. Sometimes you got to listen to your, you got to listen to your, your body, what it tells you. Yeah. And he had room in the plan to take that time off. I like that. You know, he had a long camp, and he had just come off another fight. He was like, yeah, I have time. Yeah, He's not in his own head talking about, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this. Yeah. So it's like, all right, if I take three days off, you know, I might be better. Like, I know even for me, it's like, all right, if I take these two days off, I might be better. Recalibration. Reset. Yeah, yeah. Heal, I'll heal a little bit and perform well. I don't want to waste it in training. I want it to – I'll waste it in – not waste. I'll use it in the fight. There's no waste there. Yeah, dude, that's fucking Better wisdom right there. And I really appreciate that knowledge because it really kind of puts things in perspective for me. And, you know, like, I like, oh, yeah, I like especially you're trying to hustle too. and you're trying to hustle. And it's, it's going to be, it's, it's always a hard hustle. Anytime you try to do something that's not just punching the clock, I mean, punching the clock stuff too for your soul. Totally. But uh, I think actually teaching is one of the few things where you actually can have a job where it's that steady, where you have variety. Yeah, but you like know, you said, like you could change about, schools, you could, you could do different things. It's interesting. Totally. 
it's almost yeah. like it's it gives you a little bit of freedom but the bureaucracy can be draining and that's it right there but yeah you definitely yeah. get you get the freedom as far as like still you can be you uh, you know to some degree and uh yeah to a pretty good degree compared to other jobs yes definitely definitely like if i had to punch a clock and sit behind the desk and do some bullshit ass reports like my wife does and, right now she's a buyer for ace hardware the headquarters in is in chicago and oakbrook and so like there's no I way to, i can hold yeah. on would you believe this what's that i used to own a hardware store you used to own a hardware <laughs> store really yeah, I had a family hard. My family had a hardware store. That's fucking. Uh, see, there's there's a lot of parallels here, bro. And you're a part of the best haircut club. So like, I like yo, that. beard. Listen, bald beard. That's the way to go. Hell yeah. Need you have high testosterone. Yeah, totally. I yeah, I'm fucking like that. Except for the fact I'm not a fighter, dude. I'm a lover. You're the fucking fighter. I'm more. Hey, of like, I like to call myself a lover as well. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so you know what? Like this parallel here. Like you, you do have a ton of balance, man. Like you're, you're. You're fucking... I guess maybe I am. I don't. I don't feel balanced. But <laughs> yeah, no. I, I guess I, I definitely hear and see a lot of balance in the way that you're speaking, and I just think it's pure wisdom. And uh, you know, Alexis was right when she said you guys got to connect because I took so much just from talking with you for you know a little bit more than an hour and a half. And uh, it's this just, is great, uh, man. I really appreciate. it. We're gonna have to do a part two where I could actually talk about how psychedelic it is to be inside the cage. Dude, I, I I hope that we do. I hope that we can. I'll say I'll save that one. I hear shit in there. So. Oh, okay. So like, I was hoping that maybe one of these days that we can get together for some sort of like different show, and we can call it like Fake Doctors, and like talk about shit like this a little bit more than into the Beyond realm, right? You you talk MMA and Beyond. I fucking yeah. love diving deep into the Beyond so that it can be a benefit to humanity. And uh, I think we fucking call the show fake doctors <laughs> and fucking <laughs> and fucking do it up at some point. In the We're season. not doctors, but we play one on the podcast. Well, if the if the knowledge that we drop is super inspirational, like it tends to be because a guy like you is philosophical. I think doctors are overrated. Yeah. A doctor's we, great at trauma. A doctor is good at trauma. Recognize it. Yeah. I rip my shoulder out of the socket. Doc, put me back in. Right. I break <laughs> my leg in a car accident. Yo, doc, put me back in. Fix it, dude. I have a problem with my sugar. I don't want to go to the doctor. Nah. <laughs> I want to go to a coach. I want to yeah. ask a guy like me. Yeah. I, I'm not, you know, I want to excel in my in my sport or my business. I don't want to go to the doctor. I want to go to me. You want to right? optimize. I'm, yeah. I'm having a little nagging injury, a chronic injury. I don't know if I want to go to the doctor. So, I, I know. I, all right, I, listen. I only go to the doctor yeah. when I absolutely have to. I only go for pre-fight checkups. And apparently I'm in good shape. Apparently, you're doing you're yeah. doing something right there, dude. I'm doing something. Fucking right. thirty nine years old, whipping people's asses, like making it look like making it look easy. You know. <laughs> you know what? Be careful when you think something looks easy. Oh, I was totally. Going, so I was, I like I told you. I'll, let's leave it at this. You think something looks easy because the person doing it spent two decades doing it. Hell yeah. I go walking barefoot, and my nephew was like, "I want to walk barefoot." No, you don't. I'm like, okay, so we're walking on gravel. He takes his shoes off. I turn around. He's like, wait, I'm putting my shoes back on. He walked five feet. I was like, what happened? He was like, it looked easy, but it's not. <laughs> it's not I, was like, I was like, oh, very wise kid. It looks easy, but it's not. Yeah. So to make it look easy is a tremendous amount of hard work. Definitely, bro. A lot of perseverance, so, a lot of, a lot of what you preach, man. And just know that I picked up a lot, of, a lot from you today. And just this little conversation, I really, man, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate your work that you do. It's just an inspiration to many. It's a, you know, I'm really glad that, uh, 
like I said, Alexis kind of connected us and we had got yeah, to have this great. conversation, man. I appreciate you. Did really good connecting with you. We definitely got to do a part two. Yes. And then yes. we'll promote the shit out of this one uh, when you come out. Sounds good, man. It should be out in about uh, like. If you're ever out in New York, let me know. Definitely. Training. Definitely. I will. I will. Uh, last, lastly, where can people find you if they want to learn oh, more? Shit. Where can they find Guys, the book, Instagram, check podcast? Me out. Check me out. The best place is on Instagram at John the Manimal Benaducci. All right. On Instagram at John the Manimal Benaducci. I got a training camp coming up upstate September 21st and 22nd. That's open to the public. www.manimaltrainingcamp.com. Nice. Okay, so, dude. Easy to find. Check my Instagram is pretty good, I think. Yeah, your Instagram is fucking badass, dude. I think it's pretty good. Scroll fucking... through a little bit. I got some good content for that. Yeah, you definitely do. Definitely do. Well, again, I appreciate your time and I appreciate uh, the, the conversation. I really, I really do. So keep doing what you do and uh, we'll connect soon, okay? I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Danny. All right, brother. Peace. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Make sure to check out John's Instagram at John the Manimal Beneducci. Check out his podcast on iTunes and anywhere you can find a podcast. MMA and Beyond is his podcast. We got a little too in-depth into the Beyond on the Danny Cola podcast, but that's exactly where I wanted to go. And what a a plethora of knowledge John is, right? I can't wait to do the part two episode. I want to dig a little deeper into his mindset before the fight. Like what goes into your brain when you're about to fight in front of 20,000 screaming fans at an event like Bellator? I mean, that's it's pretty amazing. And I'm very fortunate to interact with people that are going through these types of realities. I'm very, very, very fascinated with that. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. Make sure to uh, like, share, and review this podcast if you like it. Um, check out my Instagram at Danny Cola Fitness. Let's connect there. I'm very adamant about promoting a message that is altruistic, finding different ways that we can become a little bit more parasympathetic, work on our crafts, um, go in 100% on what we're really good at and uh, live a life of passion and love and just spread and share positive vibes, man. That's what this is about. We're in this together. We're all connected at the end of the day. So that's all I have to say. I hope you enjoyed this one. All the love, everybody. Peace.